In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. Welcome to this, the seventh in the series of Crossing Over the Bridge at In Discussion. My guest today, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, DSC, Professor William Tiller, Dr. Brian O'Leary, and scientist Nassim Haramain. Dr. Edgar Mitchell, on January the 31st, 1971, embarked on a journey into outer space that resulted in becoming the sixth man to walk on the moon. The Apollo 14 mission was NASA's third manned lunar landing. This historic journey ended safely nine days later on February the 9th, 1971. It was an audacious time in the history of mankind. For Mitchell, however, the most extraordinary journey was yet to come. Scientist, test pilot, naval officer, astronaut, entrepreneur, author and lecturer. Mitchell's extraordinary career personifies humankind's eternal thrust to widen its horizons as well as its inner soul. His academic background includes a Bachelor of Science in Industrial Management from the Carnegie Mellon University, a Bachelor of Science from the U.S. Naval Postgraduate School and a Doctorate in Aeronautics and Astronautics from MIT. He's received many awards and honors, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the USN Distinguished Medal, and three NASA Group Achievement Awards. He was inducted to the Space Hall of Fame in 1979 and the Astronaut Hall of Fame in 1998. He was also a nominee for the Nobel Peace Prize in 2005. In 1972, Dr. Mitchell founded the Institute of Noetic Sciences to sponsor research into the nature of consciousness as it relates to cosmology and casualty. And in 1984, he was a co-founder of the Association of Space Explorers, an international organization of those who have experienced space travel. My second guest is fellow to the American Academy for the Advancement of Science of Stanford University's Department of Materials Science, has spent 34 years in academia after nine years as an advisory physicist with the Westinghouse Research Laboratories. He's published over 250 conventional scientific papers, three books, and several patents. And in parallel for over 30 years, he's been advocationally pursuing serious experimental and theoretical study of the field of psychoenergetics, which will very likely become an integral part of tomorrow's physics. In this new area, he's published an additional 100 scientific papers and four seminal books. Professor Tiller was quoted recently, For the last 400 years, an unstated assumption of science is that human intention cannot affect what we call physical reality. Our experimental research of the past decade shows that, for today's world and under the right conditions, this assumption is no longer correct. We humans are much more than we think we are, and psychoenergetic science continues to expand the proof of it. Dr. Brian O'Leary is a scientist-philosopher with 50 years of experience in academic research, teaching and government service in frontier science and energy policy. He was a NASA scientist astronaut during the Apollo program, the first to be selected for a planned Mars mission and participated in unmanned planetary missions as an Ivy League professor. Over the past four years, he's been an international author, speaker, peace activist, founder of non-profits and advisor 
to progressive US Congress members and presidential candidates. His latest book, The Energy Solution Revolution, describes the enormous potential of breakthrough clean energy technologies, their suppression, and their global necessity for our survival. Zero Point, Vacuum Energy, Cold Fusion, and Advanced Hydrogen, and Water Chemistry could indeed provide us all an abundant future for all of humanity. And my fourth guest on Crossing Over the Bridge, Nassim Haramein, as early as nine years old, was already developing the basis for a unified, hyperdimensional theory of matter and energy, which he eventually called the holofractographic universe. Haramein has spent most of his life researching the fundamental geometry of hyperspace, studying a variety of fields from theoretical physics, cosmology, quantum mechanics, biology and chemistry, to anthropology and ancient civilizations, combining this knowledge with a keen observation of the behavior of nature, he's discovered a specific geometric array that he found to be fundamental to creation and the foundation for his unified field theory that subsequently emerged. In the past 20 years, Nassim Haramein has directed research teams of physicists, electrical engineers, mathematicians, and other scientists. He's founded a non-profit organization, the Resonance Project, where, as the director of research, he continues exploring unification principles and their implications in our world today. The foundation is actively developing a research park on the island of Hawaii, where science, sustainability, and green technology come together. Dr. Edgar Mitchell, Professor William Tiller, Dr. Brian O'Leary, and scientist Nassim Haramein join me on this, the seventh in the series of Crossing Over the Bridge. Welcome today to In Discussion and Crossing Over the Bridge. This very historical event I am very proud to bring to the panel today Dr. Edgar Mitchell, Dr. Brian O'Leary, Professor William Tiller, and Nassim Haramein. Gentlemen, welcome to you all. Thank Pleasure you. to be here. Thank Good you. Good afternoon. Perhaps we'll start with Bill Tiller, if we may, to talk about the place of empirical science today and, in particular, the emphasis of creating a methodology moving forward. Let's go back to the beginning of what we would call logos or science when we took over from the theocracy back in the days of Newton and Galileo and those folks. At that point in time, the reference frame that was used by the new science was a distance-time reference frame. And it clearly showed that the theocratic approach, which did not have any empiricism involved, no way to measure things uh, objectively, uh, that theocracy was wrong, had been wrong for a very long time. Therefore, a new pathway into understanding nature began. Now, that's been a very fruitful pathway for us to understand uh, we're an evolving species, sort of a moving target. We have looked at nature, or at least at one aspect of nature. If we take a fixed view that that reference frame of dif distance time is everything that is, well, you get a certain kind of world. And the kind of world that we have now, for the last 400 years we've had that kind of world, it is one in which the unstated assumption has been that there's no human qualities of consciousness, intention, emotion, mind, or spirit can significantly influence a well-designed target experiment in physical reality. The importance here is that target experiments are very, very important. What we find when we attempt to do these target experiments, uh, we find uh, truth about an idea or relative truth or falseness about a relative idea. We, experimentally, in the last decade, 
have taken on this unstated assumption and found it to be totally wrong in today's world because we can design experiments which utilize human intention, which, of course, is manipulated by human consciousness. So human consciousness is behind it, uh, even though we don't know exactly what human consciousness is. But we have proven that consciousness and intention are significant experimental variables because you can change properties of reality, can change the properties of materials. And when you dig deeper, what you find is that there is another category of phenomena in nature which relates to consciousness, intention, emotion, mind, spirit, these wonderful human qualities. They are so special, but they are not distance-time dependent. And therefore, the foundation of science that we have for the last 400 years, up to the present day with quantum mechanics and relativity theory, all wonderful things in their place. That is, when you're dealing with phenomena that are distance-time dependent, they do a wonderful job within the limitations they describe for themselves, like the velocity of light and so on. But now we deal with humans. Humans are a mix of these two things. They're a mix of a category of phenomena that are distance-time dependent, and from that perspective alone, humans just look like meat. But if you go to the deeper aspects of humanity, which we know more and more about, but now we begin to see that it's not distance-time dependent and that therefore we have to develop an expansion of the existing paradigm because nature is broader than we scientists and folks have thought it has been for the last 400 years. It is necessary to move in that direction, and that's a good thing because, in fact, the paradigm we have had, which is good in its way, is leading us down a not, a, not such a wonderful path. And in fact, in this other aspect where you use human intention, you can change the properties of materials. You can do a whole variety of things that was never thought possible that humans could do those things. And so we can see that what lies ahead of us is a new science and a new, new sets of technologies dependent upon different principles of nature that we have yet to uncover, or at least uncover fully. We've started to uncover them a bit. It is, to me, it is a union, time of union of logos and mythos. Logos meaning looking outwards at nature, and mythos meaning looking inwards at nature. And mythos, to me, is not mythical. There are mythical examples, but I think it is our next epoch of evolution, part of our expanding adventure in the growth of consciousness and the growth of humanity. The tools that we have used in the path for the Logos, the science that we have developed in the last four centuries, that category of methodology and thinking has to be utilized in this new expansion of our awareness. It certainly won't be easy because it means that as humanity grows in consciousness, it will perturb the experiments that you try to do. So you have to do them much more carefully. It's real, and it opens doorways to doing things that we at this point in time need to do and want to do. Let me turn to Dr. Edgar Mitchell. That union Bill Tiller talks about between the logical and the mythos. How do you see with your work that playing out in terms of creating a strategy in enforcing that union, in pressing that union towards the quantum camp, quantum world that are not yet ready for this or aware of the necessity to look at other types of science? Well, Professor Tiller tried the issue very, very nicely and uh in the modern time, what we've really added is the ability to use this area of understanding called the quantum area to help us extend our sensory mechanisms or to explain our sensory mechanisms in a new way that simply was not possible with the older methodologies and the older thinking that we have. Now, <clears throat> the sort of experiments that Professor Taylor was talking about 
are now being done in laboratories and my laboratories at the Institute of Nordic Sciences and other laboratories and universities around the world. And what we're doing is being able to explain things of the mystical and the emotional and their inner experience that we've just never been able to do before or that we've had to use a totally different set of nomenclature, so-called mystical nomenclature or such, to try to explain it. But now we have something that seems to be good science that's bringing us closer to bringing the scientific tools that we now understand in other parts of our experience into this whole area of mind and the role of mind and consciousness and feeling and emotions. Let me turn to Dr. Brian O'Leary, taking both of those statements. We certainly did lose our direction, particularly over the last three or four hundred years when we evolved from a feudal system to industrial system. In order to reverse that direction and take us from a consumer materialistic society more towards this high level of consciousness where do you think that we need to go now with this and how do we express that succinctly to those in the establishment yes and i think uh, david you've hit the nub of the problem the dilemma what's happening at the moment is that we're having a huge uh, number of breakthroughs but also a huge amount of destruction that's being wrought by the wanton use a misuse of science and technology whether it be the weapons of war or the environmental devastation that's going on now through the use of fossil fuel energy and agricultural methods that are destroying the earth so right now we're at this nexus point where some of the science that is being outstandingly conducted by the likes of Bill Tiller and the Institute of Noetic Sciences can now lead to the development of those technologies that can truly work with nature instead of against nature. And so it's extremely important now to bring to decision makers and participate in the decision making process the huge potential of this new science and to fund these efforts which have been well we're all very poor we're kind of broke um, <laughs> well it's because there's no money in it yet there's trillions and trillions of dollars in the old paradigm we need to turn all of that around now and put some of these principles into action because in my opinion, we can develop a clean breakthrough energy, we can uh, purify our water systems, we can uh, have a truly sustainable future for planet Earth. Now, Sim Haramain, having listened to that, it is clear new science, philosophy, those that are engaged in finding a different type of governance in the political arena and many other arenas. How do you see yourselves as being able to fund all of these areas so that we can create alternative forms of energy and reignite people's inspiration? First of all, I think it's really crucial that these things get funded. It's not really a question of, oh, let's make a new gizmo more than this is a survival issue at this point for our society as a whole, for our Earth community as a whole. We must transcend this level of technologies that Brian was talking about and bring it to a new level. We must find new resources. And there is evidence that there is a whole almost infinite field of resources of energy available to us an energy that may be at the base of creation itself at the base of the material world and even the conscious phenomenon that we experience in this material world as human beings and to realize that that field is there and there's been a lot of investigation of it already throughout the ages and as Brian was mentioning it has not been supported by the financial and the political and military industrial complex so that it could become available to humanity as a whole and that is been a very very big issue it's at the source of this difficulty that we're experiencing currently in our society in our financial structure and so on. 
because this could totally liberate a society, liberate human beings, most likely bring abundance to the planet as a whole. And it demands resources at this point. It demands a certain amount of investment from our structure, from our financial structures, from our political structures, to make this a reality, to make this a possibility for humanity. And why not? Much investigation of these type of research has been done before. Many researchers had had some success uh, throughout the ages in interacting with this field, with this fundamental field that can be called zero-point energy or vacuum fluctuation or even Planck's density. And that if this field is really there and there's much evidence that it is, that there should be a serious investigation and serious amount of resources poured into the investigation of this field, both for technological development and for more esoteric understanding of consciousness in it. Professor Bill Tiller, uh, we have talked in past programs about a higher level of consciousness in the terms of becoming more Christ-like in humanity. What is the balance that we need to create between the logical, that outer path, and the mythos, that inner path, in society as a whole, given what we're seeing today, particularly in the Middle East, we are clearly heading into some different type of evolutionary period. How do you see those in the establishment and those out there now who are fighting in the streets to understand this necessity of finding a greater sense of consciousness in moving on to a different level of the way we communicate with each other as human beings. As I see it, we are all part of a larger whole. When we work to help another, we help ourselves. When we build another, we build ourselves. When we care about another, we care about ourselves. We are all dipping into the same pot. And therefore, it means that there must be more equitable sharing, not only of material things, but of possibilities and the freedoms that are being talked about by these folks that haven't had them for a long time. You know, one of the dilemmas that exists in our world today is there has been this idea, this concept, that the end justifies the means. And that you can do anything so long as the goal is big enough and supposedly worthy enough. But in fact, I think it's just the opposite of that. I think that the means that we choose to use to gain the ends we want in this world, in this life, it creates a set of factors in the universe that modify our future. Because the future appears to be very much related to the means on the, on the average, the attitudes, the thoughts of minds in minds that we hold in the world. We have, we're at a time where there are emerging nations who haven't had the standard of living that we have in the Western world. We've had it in the past because it's, it's been a, we'll call it a metastable thermodynamic state because the kinetics that allow the transfer and exchanges of these things could not occur rapidly enough in the past. But since the beginning of the computer era, everything is kicked up at such a huge pace that, in fact, thermodynamic equilibrium can begin to occur around the world. And that is happening. And that gives rise to misbalances or imbalances relative to what has been in the past. And... We're seeing that. We're seeing kinds of things happening in our environment. So if we take a larger thermodynamic view of things, we see this exchange. We are connected. Well, I think we're connected at the level of consciousness as well. I think something has been growing in the universe for a long time, and it's now reaching levels where experimentally we can see those effects. 
and they relate very much to consciousness. And then connectivity occurs. And those connectivities mean that imbalances become very obvious. I think we're on the threshold of moving to a higher level of consciousness. As we're, I think we're outgrowing this old epoch, and we're coming up upon what will be a new epoch, but a new epoch where much higher consciousness will be operational. And that's a mystical thing on my part. It's a, it's a feeling, rather, I have no proof of it, other than I see bits of data and these things that connect. And certainly I see when we condition a space to a higher level of reality, then the connectivity between things becomes great. We find we can transfer intentions around the world. Well, maybe not around the world, but certainly 6,000 miles and have things happen. This is sort of a new category of phenomena, and it makes us all sort of responsible for it. It makes a requirement that we start to pay attention to others because we are part of others and they are part of us. And that's actually happening. I mean, that's what's going on in the world right now. And we, we have to ultimately get to doing more and more of it. We have to, I believe, that we have to realize that that is the path of our future, the path of selfishness and greed and all these very material things has got us to where we are. If we continue down this path, this experiment with humanity probably will not succeed, in my view. Can I ask you, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, you had talked previously about these changing conditions in the world. Part of that is our technology, the power of social media, and many other strengths in telecommunications today. Professor William Tiller talks about this larger view and I do remember in the program that we shared that you had stated at one stage how wonderful it would be if heads of governments or any type of governance could sit in a capsule above the earth and look down at the earth and that it would change their perspectives it would eradicate ego and many other human frailties is that still necessary to keep looking towards space as being a place where in the future and perhaps not too far away that we have to find that situation where people can become so much more conscious so much more giving so much more understanding about this world Professor Tiller's description of from what he was just saying is certainly apropos. <clears throat> I use it a little different words and call it the overview effect. There's been a book written on it. Those of us who have been in space have all said for many years, our political leaders and social leaders could have that view, which I call the big picture effect. We would have a totally different system. We would start to move in the very direction we're talking about. So what we're saying here is that is seeing ourselves in a different perspective, seeing ourselves in a larger perspective. And what has been said on this program already, if we start to see ourselves working for the greater good as a part of an entire civilization, and that we're working to move the entire civilization toward a sustainable future, which we're not on at the moment, and as I just pointed out a moment ago, is no necessity that we would it's necessity for our survival that we get there, but there's no assurance that we will unless we start doing things differently than what we're doing. And that really means, as we look at the riots going on in the Mideast at this point, the average person over there is saying they're tired of this dictatorial leadership that's been going on for centuries, and they're wanting expression of their own. And I think that is a key factor here. I think that is the unrest that can be shaped for bringing us together to seeing ourselves, all of us trying to learn how to serve the greater good and seeing ourselves as part of the larger picture that uh, everybody on this program today has been describing as necessary if we're to go forward. And I think we can get it. There's no assurance that we will, but it is certainly true that those of us that have had the privilege of looking at this planet from an external perspective are vastly impressed by 
being able to say, wow, there is Earth, just a tiny little ball in the immensity of the universe, and we're its citizens. We better learn to get along on this on this planet, because it's the only one we've got handy right now, and we better make it work. Dr. Brian O'Leary, that larger picture, that larger view that both Professor Tiller and Dr. Edgar Mitchell have mentioned, is there a opportunity to find that place of inspiration that certainly Dr. Edgar Mitchell found in space where we can convene almost displaced from Mother Earth that we stand on and gain a far higher sense of purpose, a higher consciousness. Would you have any perspective or ideas on where that is, not necessarily bringing a lot of people into one space, but painting a picture that people can be inspired by without having to leave Mother Earth at the moment in order to gain this far bigger sense of inner being, more inspired view of the Earth and what we have to do to arrest its direction at the moment. Uh, yes, David, I, I believe we can do it. And the way we can do it is for people to become aware, to be open to the possibilities that lie ahead. That's the logos part of it. In other words, to be, get an education about the remarkable research that's being done by people on this distinguished panel, and to also go to inner space, allow your inner space or the mythos to inspire you to implement solutions. And that's where uh, my own transformational work, uh, I didn't have a chance to go to outer space, so I thoroughly explored inner space, both from a mythos and logos point of view, for the past uh, 30, 40 years. And uh, I've come to the conclusion that our problems here are so dire that we absolutely have to now bring those worlds together. And fortunately, we can have it both ways. We can use the methodologies of science, the empirical science, and combine that with inspirations from our inner selves and in connection with Mother Earth or Gaia. Uh, many times I've had experiences with nature that have been extraordinary. There are so many pathways to be able to rediscover our connection with our, our wonderful, blessed home planet. From my point of view, we can do it. And the way in which we can do it, and the experiments are pointing this way, is for more and more and more of us to combine our positive intention for a new world and to crystallize that through various disciplined exercises. There's meditation, there's group processes. We're finding that there are nonlinear effects when two or more people come together to uh, envision a positive outcome or positive future, to actually enact that and to literally create changes in the material world. And so I see it's a combination of education of our inner reality and education also uh, in the research and development sense of our outer reality to be able to implement a truly sustainable future for us all. Nassim Haramein, we talk about moving from a duality to a point of singularity, a sacred geometry perhaps. Do you think that in this time, this period that I refer to as a gap in the chaos that we see and may see in the future, moving into a new epoch, is it, in a way, returning fully back to the kingdom, returning back to the garden in every way that we see, we think, we feel, we feel for each other? Absolutely. Very good, David. I, I believe it is finally a time where we must come to realize our unity, our connection, and our singularity and reconnect with the singularity that's at the center of all things, that all things are connected through this field of information that everything bathes in. And to realize that that field is, in, is interacting with us, 
and as a result we are interacting with all things around us uh, whether we know it or not that we have an influence on the material world we have an influence on that field that is the field of interaction of the material world all around us and that that field connects us all to realize this to experience it I think as being discussed by by an inner research a, a movement inwards towards the center of our existence towards that singularity that center of our existence and then as well to uh, realize it outwardly uh, to realize that it's out it's there outside of ourselves as well and that we can build our physics and our understanding of the universe and our technologies on this fundamental unity consciousness that is crucial to our development at this point and that is a very important step I believe in the evolution of any society in our in, at least in our local universe and so I talk about this experience of unity this experience of gaining a larger perspective of entering a larger community becoming the galactic being experiencing ourselves not only you know as an individual a local society a, a local environment like a country or even having a larger perspective of a global community but literally becoming aware that our global community is floating in this incredible structure we call the galaxy the milky way that has billions of stars that we're discovering now most of have planets orbiting and so on and that we're part of a, a galactic community and to like actually pop our perspective to that level and when we do and we look back at the earth from that level then it becomes easy to feel a sense of oneness with all the humans on it professor william tiller it seems to me that we are talking primarily here about science and technology science and technology if you're looking at it in an equation to me would suggest spirituality we also talk about logos and mythos we have logos which possibly could be compared to the establishment we're talking about mythos which could be compared to science so if you have these two and one doesn't work without the other then new science new philosophy new governance has to have this constant energy as you had talked about in a previous program that provides complete compassion to those in the quantum world who can be the heroes in supporting science and bringing science and technology together so that eventually this oneness between the two camps if you want to define it that way equals eventually that spirituality would that be something that you would concur with is that a good definition well i think it's a it's a very hopeful definition i mean i think the establishment is the orthodox community it's the accepted paradigm community the, which is all well and good, but it's kind of stuck. And so it's the feeling I have it is necessary to expand the frame of reference for the Orthodox community to include those aspects of nature that deal with living systems. I agree with Nassim's statements. I tend to think, and I sort of see it in work that I am doing, that if we posit, as he has, using the word of singularity, it's more than a different kind of singularity, but it is a field. And if that field underpins this entire galaxy, then it means that all the equations describing the many levels of nature are held within a potential field and therefore they respond in particular ways where you have such a all-embracing potential function it creates <laughs> it creates basically energies that can be negative uh, which is what 
Dirac talked about when he talked about the first bit of matter coming out of the vacuum. If you have a potential field underpinning all of this, then that's what you'd expect from energies. You'd have both positive and negative energies. And the relativistic quantum mechanical equations have those kinds of solutions. But we have to expand the reference frame. The reference frame has to go beyond distance time to higher dimensional aspects of the universe that allow both classes of solutions. You can have a duplex reference frame that contains both of them with some kind of a a special coupler. And the more the coupler exists uh, from my own equations is that then the more everything becomes connected and everything moves closer to oneness. It's not going to happen all at once. And there's not just one next epoch. There probably will be other epochs after that. But we won't even recognize ourselves at the end of the next epoch relative to here we are at the end of this epoch. That's part of the journey home, as you called back to the kingdom. I certainly see this all as a very natural evolutionary process in which we have to expand, let's say, our formal description of quantum mechanics. Our formal description of quantum mechanics is stuck in distance time. And so it can't take us where we need to go, but it can if we expand. Expand it by looking more deeply to bring in these aspects, both the what I've called the mythos and the logos aspects as ways of talking about nature, ways of talking about knowledge. They're both very valuable aspects of knowledge. Since we're dealing with the man-made ones, we have limitations, and it's we have to outgrow some of them. We won't outgrow them all at once, but with goodwill. And, you know, it's it's this business of the grand commandment. I don't want to be theological, but it is, you know, Love thy God with all thy heart and mind and soul and thy neighbor as thyself. And the issue is we are all neighbors, and we need all to be neighbors. We need to all be brothers and sisters. We need to be pragmatic. There are things that have to be done and with technology and engineering. They have to be very precise. So we have to know what it is we're doing, and we have to go about it very carefully, very thoughtfully. But... We have to have the fire of imagination that comes from within and the will to work towards fulfilling that purpose, which I think is a larger purpose for humanity, for all of us. I think we're all in agreement with respect to that. And if we are all in agreement, and if we are all in a sense of oneness, and we can propagate this to others, then we will indeed succeed. Dr. Edgar Mitchell... Professor Bill Tiller there has talked about the coupler and that inspiration. And the coupler we can talk about in terms of bringing together all communities in science, in politics, in any other area of life. How do you feel that as a scientific community without ego, without agendas that all of the organizations, the Noetic Institute, the Resonance Project, the communities that people like Brian O'Leary have, and the great work that Professor Bill Tiller carries on, can come together as one now and move forward towards not just finding these new areas of energy and many other things, but also assisting the establishment to have a wider view as we move forward so that we don't reach a point of no return. I am in agreement with everything that's been said. I think we will come together. We can come together. I have seen just in the last few days as I've been going about my normal work and on the internet and getting messages. I'm going to recite just a couple very, very quickly. One, for the animal kingdom. In the animal kingdom, a dog rescued another dog that had been hit by a car. And he went out into the traffic and dragged the other dog out to safety. And a human help took him to the vets and they both survived. Now, that's one. What I'm trying to point out is that in our culture, in our historical togetherness, there's always these, we have always had 
these transcendent experiences come forth. And I was just pointing out we're seeing it in the animal kingdom as well, it seems. And associated, another one associated I just saw today was a two cheetahs, brotherhood of three cheetahs, as a matter of fact, a herd of gazelles. They came upon them, and the gazelles all ran away, but one, one little gazelle didn't get away fast enough, and they didn't eat him. They were just playing with him. They were licking each other and kind of enjoying it. And then on another one similar, a young hippopotamus had taken up with a Galapagos turtle. So these cross-species sort of finding friendships and finding oneness is just an animal version of what we're talking about. And we can do it too because it is throughout our whole history there have been transformational experience with individuals and leadership to uh, move in a new direction. And that's what, we're, that's what we're all talking about doing. As we close towards the end of the program in the last couple of minutes, Dr. Brian O'Leary, we know that there is a way forward here through these discussions in order to support each other to find a new governance, to find a new platform of inspiration for people. Final words in what we have accomplished just today in this program in order to support each other, love each other, and find our way through to the next stage. Yes, and, and, and uh, David, this is uh, the, the big challenge right now because we, we haven't done this before. It's just remarkable that you've gotten many of us scientists together in these forums so that we can start to take notes and compare stories and to uh, conceptualize what those government systems might look like. But they certainly, and, and science is forming the scientific method, the basis for, for what we need to do, which is the combination of consciousness and positive intention done with altruism and compassion, a combination of that and implementing with a great deal of focus what it is we need to do, which is so, so very different from, from what we're seeing unfolding now. I'm just so grateful to still be alive. Like two of the other guests, I'm uh, in my 70s almost, and I, I, I want to still be here to see this wonderful thing unfold. But it's very important that even those of us that have been divided and ruled by the mainstream, that we don't let our own egos get in the way of what needs to happen. So it means that the new structures to be created need to be very carefully thought out, worked out, so that we can truly have something to present and to uh, articulate and educate others about. And Nassim Haramein, your final comments after this latest program. Well, I think that uh, these discussions are these discussions are really important, and that communication at this time is crucial to establish this new covenant, this new approach to the universe, to the physics of the universe, and to the understanding of consciousness, and and as well to the connectivity, the connection that we have with each other and with nature, and so. In order to emphasize this, in order to help people move along these lines, I think it's crucial that the communication between all of us is as at its maximum and that we become more and more organized and that we have organizations uh, like IONS and, and the Resonance Project and other organizations to help people come together communicate and this is why I'm so excited about these shows because I think that like as we get together and we exchange information and we start to commune together and and create together the picture is going to develop and it's going to become more and more obvious and it's going to become more and more coherent and it's going to lead to very very amazing possibilities for human beings. Dr. Edgar Mitchell, a final statement from you, sir, where we've reached today. Well, I think we have a challenge before us. I think we can meet the challenge. I'm encouraged by the things I see. I think in this program we're all seeing out of the same hymn book on it. And we realize it's a challenge. We realize thinking has to change in the larger, larger picture, that the whole civilization is at risk. We have to move toward more cooperation, more sustainability, but I believe it's, it's quite possible to do that, and 
we're all devoted to it, and I'm sure that if we just step up our efforts, work together a little more closely, can influence more people, we can pull it off. And Bill Tiller, weekly 10 seconds. I think we are ready for the great adventure, and it looks like if we're not across the threshold, we're damn close to it. We move down the path together. To me, we're all spirits having a physical experience as we ride the river of life together, and here we are. We're talking about the next bend in the river we're going to take together. Dr. Edgar Mitchell, Professor William Tiller, Dr. Brian O'Leary, Nassim Haramain, it has been an enormous privilege to share this Crossing Over the Bridge program with you. Thank you so much. A pleasure from my end. Thank, Thank you, you very David. much. Bye-bye. And to our listeners, I do hope that you enjoyed this program as much as I. You can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. Dot com.